Hey everyone, welcome to Fem Pop. I'm Jennifer Wainscott. I'm Peggy Ray Hargarten. And we're back with season two. Well, it's been a while. We uh, are back from our long summer hiatus. That's right. And uh, it took a lot. We forgot how to set up our makeshift recording station, which is in a corner of my bedroom with all of the pillows for my bed. It's many pillows. It's a lot of pillows. And uh, it was hard to know what to do with them all. But here we are, and we're recording the show. Uh, thanks for listening. For those of you who haven't listened, Fem Pop is a show about pop culture and what catches our eye. As we mentioned our names, we're just two girls who like pop culture. And we like to talk about it and muse on what we like. We very rarely talk about what we don't like. That's true. Only it, occasionally. I think we're kind of optimists in that it's way. It's a strong dislike to get us to talk about it on the air. Which I will be mentioning a certain <laughs> Netflix film that has brought me much ire. So stay tuned for that. But today we're going to be kicking off season two with talking about some the new TV season. It's happening, y'all. TV has started, and if you didn't waste your summer away, don't worry. You have the chance to waste your fall away. And it's never been a better time to waste it. <laughs> uh, NBC, Amazon, Netflix. Killing it. Killing it. These guys are doing awesome things. So we're going to be talking about primarily The Good Place and Forever. So, here's the thing. We're going to do sort of a pre-spoiler, post-spoiler sort of episode. So, the first part that you're listening to right now is the spoiler-free episode, okay? That's the spoiler-free portion. Later on, we're going to get to the spoil, spoiled, spoiler Very spoiled. Very spoiled. Lots Imagine of just being completely spoiled. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. But we'll warn you before that happens. Yeah. Like... Dumbledore dies, kind of spoiled. Hey, everyone knows. I know, but it hurts. I'm sorry for bringing it up. Thank you. Luckily, we are talking about the afterlife. <laughs> That's a nice transition. It's a really so, good segue. So, Jennifer, tell us a little bit about The Good Place. Oh, y'all, if you have not seen it yet, The Good Place is a show that has just begun its third season run. Uh, it premiered this past week with an hour-long season three episode. Um, and it's a great show, typically a half-hour comedy on NBC, starring Kristen Bell, Ted Danson, and a couple other heavy hitters who are a little bit new to the TV scene but have really proven their worth through the show. Yes. Conceptually, it is about a woman who <laughs> self-identifies as a human garbage bag from Arizona. <laughs> and she comes into the afterlife. She thinks that she's in heaven. She thinks she's in the good place. And by the end of season one, we're not counting this as a spoiler because we're on season three, okay? But by the end of season one, she discovers that it's not the good place. It's actually the bad place. Yeah. And the good place has just sort of been mocking her and her other companions as a way to torment them by thinking that they're in the good place. Yes. It's it's basic. I, I'm not going to act like this is a really, really thoughtful, super witty show. But it's funny. It's so funny. It's so fun. Yes. It's it's about 
deeply philosophical things, and they engage with it in a way that is both uh, lighthearted, hilarious, while just like touching on sort of basic touchstones of the really deep questions that we all have but are kind of too afraid to ask. Yes. And then making jokes about it. Totally. Totally. It's so good, and it's really funny. Kristen Bell, which most of us just know as Elsa from... Or, wait, or Veronica Mars. Wait, is she from She's Frozen? Anna. Anna from Frozen. The yeah. fun sister, yeah. not the ice queen. Right. Um, very funny. Very good at... I mean, she just shines at being this terrible, lovable person. Yes. Who you hate, but like... She's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, this the the funny thing about the show is that they really <laughs> they like to make preferences, like really preferences that don't actually mean anything. Those become the super meaningful. Things. Yeah. So it's like something that would send you to the bad place is liking Nickelback. That's the kind of thing. I, recently, one of my good friends, who's really funny, uh, said that she was on a date and the guy liked Mumford and Sons, which was a deal breaker for her. <laughs> and I don't know if I don't know how much of it was a joke or not, but they're really tapping into just like the deep, deep preferential, um, like inclinations that people have and how moralizing they become. Yes. Like, you are a good person if you hate Nickelback. Right. Like, if you like going to Applebee's, you are a bad person. And here's the thing. There are people in my life who actually have these, like, views on preferences versus actual substantial character. Right. And so it's like the thing that they're tapping into and really poking fun at, like that's a real thing in the world. Oh, totally. Of people. And I think some of it is like the difficulty and fear of taking a really careful look at someone's character. Yeah. And I think that's sort of a lost art um, Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And so to make up for it and to make up for feeling like you know someone you look at their more superficial preferences and assign a really strong moral code to them. Yes. Well, and I mean, Dr. King said that in his I Have a Dream speech that he hoped that one day people wouldn't be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Mm -hmm. And even that, I think, is almost offensive now to, to sort of identify that someone is of low character or uh, that identify something as immoral behavior, which was something that Dr. King, who we love, you know, thought of as, as commonplace and the goal. Yes. Right. But now it's kind of, I don't know, character and good and bad. It's all relative. And we see that where my friends in the good. Right. So talk about that a little bit. Like, what's going on there? So one of the major plot arcs is these uh, four main characters, human characters who end up in the bad place, trying to learn how to be good. The quest of how do I go from being a bad person to being a good person? Yeah. And it's a really, in some ways, like, very silly and in other ways, very fascinating take on morality and ethics. Yeah. And, like, what the point of it all is, 
why we do the things we do. What even is a good person? Right. Yeah. yeah. And what is the point of being a good person? Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I do really like about the show is that it's able to name those questions that people have but are often kind of not willing to ask out loud. Yes. And also poke fun at it. Mm-hmm. But they're asking these questions that I think our society at a very, very deep level is questioning in our culture right now. And just kind of what's the point of it all? Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. why, what is good? Why be good? And yeah. And why does it, yeah, why does it matter in the grander structure and running of the universe? Yes, exactly. Which brings us to the show Forever. Another show about what matters, what's important, and what's a life worth living, all in the midst of the daily minutiae of normal life. Yes, the ins and outs. So Forever is a new show on Amazon Prime. It just came out last month. Maya Rudolph, who is stunning everything to me. If someone were to play me in a movie of my life, I would like it to be her. If someone were to be on a podcast with me, I would want it to be Jennifer, and then second would be Maya Rudolph. That's a little too generous. You're right. I'm just kidding. It would definitely be Maya. (laughs) I love her. She's an old SNL character from the early 2000s. So funny. So good. And then Fred Armisen, also tremendous, really, really good actor. Love him. Also from SNL, they they have a great. Their online chemistry, and chemistry. I don't just mean yeah. like romantic chemistry, like a lot of people think of, but mm-hmm. in terms of like the back and forth flow between two actors, whatever roles they're playing, that sort of chemistry, they've got it. Yeah. Totally. And it shows up on stream. They do play a married couple, June and Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, and the show, again, is essentially they're looking at their relationship and the trajectory of their lives and who they are as people and seeing what matters and when the dissatisfaction that is been, has been creeping into their life really shows up, what do they do with it? Yeah. Now, here's the part of the episode, folks, where we get into spoiling things. Things gonna get spoiled. They gonna get rancid. You could still, I mean, you, the sh- the show forever won't be ruined by these spoilers, but y- it would be worthwhile to just wait and come and watch the show first. Yeah, but definitely, if you've already seen, you can go on. If you haven't hung up by now, now's the time. Okay, so forever. Not only is it another show about, like, what matters in life, what's important, how do you live well. It's also a show about the afterlife. And you don't know that until the end of episode two. Yeah. The whole first two episodes, you're just like, oh, this is just a show. About a couple. Yeah. And their life. Yeah. But they die, y'all. Yep. And then they're in the afterlife together. Yes. Living their same boring life. Oh, my gosh. It's incredible. So they end up in, like, this suburban, abandoned development afterlife, living with other ghosts. Yes. And it's essentially how this couple is avoiding their own existential dread 
by just living this incredibly mundane, like plain, flavorless life. Doing the, the same thing the same every thing. day, day after day. Yes. And it's like they are so invested, especially Oscar, in avoiding the reality of being dead. Like they're in the afterlife. Yeah. And they're just all about avoiding the reality of the afterlife. Yeah, it's insane. It's massively ironic and and very funny. It is. It is. A different type of humor than The Good Place. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's a lot heavier than The Good Place. Yeah. And they take the questions and the relational tensions and they really give them flesh. Um, mm-hmm. But... It's it's a really creatively made show. I I mean, some might even call it boring. It's so slow. Well, the characters, I think part of that boringness, I think some of it is that the characters feel more real. Mm-hmm. Like, The Good Place is sort of like stereotypes or caricatures right. of humans yes. that are being played out. Whereas this couple, it's like, I feel like I know a couple like them. Uh-huh. Um, and you even... You see how they replay their own patterns without kind of realizing it. And it's like the setting changes, life to afterlife, uh-huh. alive to dead, and yet there's still something about their personality that is playing out in the same way. And I think we see that in real life. Yeah. And later on in the series, it's eight episodes, so it's not a huge commitment, but later on in the series... They encounter a a different group of ghosts who are living very different, not living, afterlife living, after living. Whatever, just say living. Living very differently by sort of going crazy, trying to live it up. Having huge party life kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And yet they also, this group is also avoiding reality, Mm -hmm. but rather than avoiding it by being dry and sort of like turning away from life and numbing out. These guys are numbing out by just like over engaging. Yeah. Just enjoyment and it's like hedonism for the dead. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. It one thing that is really striking, especially in Forever, but I think as well as the good place is that you you have this sense like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Who's in charge around here? Why are we here? What do we do? And basically, no one is telling you what to do or who to be, and no one is watching out for you. Yes. And especially in Forever, you have that, that feeling. But also in, in The Good Place... I think in the, in the good place, it almost feels like this sort of nameless, faceless universe is against them. Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of like moving against, like the universe is out to get me yeah. and I have to do all these things to, I have to dance the dance in order to make the universe okay with me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and forever, I think you're right. It's more of a sense of abandonment. Like, yeah. no one is here for me. I'm just on my own. What now? Yeah. Which is so striking, because I think those 
two sentiments are very pervasive in the world today. Yes. And people are dying. They are longing to have a sense of like someone, someone universal, a cosmic force being there for them. Right. Like that's the big problem in both of these shows. Yeah. And I mean, even just the whole idea, and you hear this more and more now of just kind of like the universe. The universe is watching out for me. The universe is, and you know, when you kind of stop and think like, who is the universe? I mean, if you, if you are saying the universe is watching out for you, you're, you're saying that like there's this personal force, but you don't want to say God. Yeah. You want, but you want to feel that there is a personal force that's looking out for me. You don't want just something good to happen to you. You want to be actually known and cared for. And I think that's, you know, one thing about that we talked about earlier, Jen, with the two shows is that you have all of these massive existential questions questions going on. But what actually keeps these things going is the relationships mm-hmm. and the between the characters, and that's what keeps you going. I mean, I will I will say that especially forever the plot really kind of twists and turns, and it's fun to follow it. But you're watching these people, yeah. And what you don't have is a personal force who's above, who's watching over them, right? And I think that actually, if you really reflect and think about ultimately in ex- in these existential questions the most satisfying answer is that there is a god who sees and who knows and who wants to interact and 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 know his creation and know people and wants people to be interacting with each other and that that's not just some cosmic accident but that's actually his intentional design and I think that's what part of what these shows are wanting. I mean, I'm not going to speak for them. They, I don't know who created these shows, and right. you know, they obviously are are they're creating this world without a god that mm-hmm. they're telling a story about. But I think the these characters are are longing for God, yes. are longing for a a personal force, something that's not just a bunch of random nothing mm-hmm. or a a nothing matters you're just here or just be good because yeah just be good so you can go to the good place Mm -hmm. which is also impersonal and like nothing right but what if there was a god who made you and when you died and left this earth you actually came in front of that god yeah and and i realize like we we've mentioned on the show like we are both christians we're not you know playing this on like we're not. So a lot of you who are listening know this already. We might be preaching to the choir, but I do think there's a sense for people who are not Christians watching these shows, the absence of that authoritative, nurturing God who cares for you Mm -hmm. and is relational in that way and who is also in charge, the lack of that actually sort of taps into and inner longing when you're watching the show and you're like, oh, this doesn't feel right. I don't like the situation that these characters are in. Yeah. And like 
yeah, you should not like the situation the characters are in. It's a painful situation where they have been abandoned or they have been attacked by the universe. Right. (laughs) And so it's like, even if, like, nobody on the writing staff of either of these shows is a Christian, they're tapping into something that is already etched onto the hearts of humanity. Right. And it's just showing up in these, like, really funny pop culture shows. Yeah. Like, even at that level. Even people people really want to go deep, and I what we're not trying to do is hijack to these shows and say that they're secretly trying to tell us about God. They're probably they're not. not. They're not. Um, but we are just trying to tap into the that feeling that every human feels of is God really there, mm-hmm. um, or that they feel of there is no you know God is not there. They're sure of it, and and maybe um, that's a longing. Mm-hmm. more than it is just a question. Yeah. People want to know what matters, and they want to know why they matter. Now, listen, we don't have time today to get into every new season of TV that's out there. And believe me, there's a lot of good shows coming out. But we are going to cover some of those as our season two progresses. That's right. But for now, tell me, Peg, As we wrap up our show for today, what's caught your eye? All right. So over the past several months, lots of lots of good stuff going on. But I got I chose three top top things. Hit me with the top. Number one, the show Mr. Robot. It is so good. Okay, but let me just say I also had to stop watching it midway through because it's so evil that I felt like it was negatively affecting me. Um, But I ended up going back because. I do think that they recognize evil for evil. It's yeah. not like the bad guys are celebrated as these wonderful people, you know? Yeah, I think that's true. So uh, Mr. Robot is just, it's really compelling. It's really interesting. And I would i would commend it as something to watch on Amazon. Then next, Jurassic World Kingdom Falling. I mean, Chris Pratt, it's just so good. It's so fun, blockbuster, <laughs> you know, there are some pretty major plot problems, but like <laughs> it's just so fun watching the dinosaurs. Here's when there are plot holes people. when there are dinosaurs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would totally recommend that on Redbox. And then finally, the Guernsey Potato Peel Pie Literary Society. The book, not the Netflix movie. Oh shoot! Do not watch the Netflix movie. I tried to start watching it, and it's so horrible. I watched the whole thing. Okay, what? And it was so horrible. Jen, Netflix knows you watched the whole thing. I know, I'm ashamed. They know that they can get you. (laughs) I bought in. You are part of the problem. I gave it a thumbs down. I don't even know what you're talking about. On the ratings thing, it's like a thumbs up if you like it, thumbs down if you don't, and then it's like, here's what we project you will like it as. I I've, gave it a thumbs down. I've never seen a thumbs down situation on Netflix. It's a thing. Okay, well, if you guys are wondering why there's such bad content showing up on Netflix, no, go no further than Jennifer Wainscott. Because she culpable. watched through Guernsey Potato Peel Pie Society. That being said, the book is great. Really fun read. Book is awesome. Really good. Really thoughtful. Just, just fun read. Mm-hmm. Jennifer, what has caught your eye? So I, uh, amongst the months that we were on our season hiatus, got into watching a show called Atypical. 
Also on Netflix. Okay. Much better than the Guernsey Literary <laughs> Potato Peel Pie Society movie. Atypical. It's a show, uh, like, 45-hour-long episodes about a family who has an 18-year-old son with autism. Okay. And it is very funny and does a great job of humanizing folks who are on the spectrum. And as a counselor who often works with families where there's often, like, one member of the family who kind of stands out as the problem family member uh-huh. or the family member with issues, this is a great show to show that showcases the fact that, like, everybody in the family has their own stuff going on. Yeah. It's just the autistic kid who's the most obvious. Mm-hmm. But his stuff is actually not even the worst. Okay. So Kind of like great. a Silver Linings playbook sort of thing. But more autistic. <laughs> It's awesome. You should watch it. Also, uh, I got into, finally, after much uh, encouragement from other friends, the uh, book series, well, it's going to be a series right now. It's only two books. The Name of the Wind and Wise Man's Fear by Patrick Rothfuss. Okay. Dense books, not for uh, folks who like a quick read, but really good. I've had a lot of great conversations with other people who've read them about... What is it? What do we think the author's doing? Is he writing this from his own point of view? Is he writing this as the perspective of the 15-year-old character that's in the book? What about his portrait of women and how that changes through the books, et cetera, et cetera? Huh, cool. It's worth a read. Yeah. And then finally, the book that I'm on right now, the newest Robert Galbraith detective novel, which for the uninitiated is actually the pen name of our favorite J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series. That's right, folks. She writes detective novels, too. Wow. So, if you're looking for sort of, like, greedy crime detective, but, like, some humor in there as well, you can go check those out. Robert Galbraith. Galbraith is the uh, fake Welsh pen name. I wish you guys could have seen Jennifer's face when she just said that. Yeah. There was some... There was some Welch passion in there. Welch or the Welsh? Welch. Like Welch's grape juice. That's right. <laughs> That's what I meant to say, and I'm standing by it. Uh, the book is called Lethal White. I would recommend starting with the first book, though, if you have not read them yet. All right. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for listening. Again, this has been Fim Pop. I'm Peggy Ray. I'm Jennifer. Have a good one.